Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. And before I dive in, let me say uh, it was such an honor to have my wife join me last week on the platform. Um, yeah, she she's she makes me look a lot prettier. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you looking good today. you looking good today. This is week three of Treasure Hunters. I want to call this message Unlocking the Treasure. Unlocking the Treasure. Matthew chapter 13 Verse number 44 is where we're going to start, one verse, and I have some other scripture reading, uh, but I'm going to save that till later in the message. But it says in Matthew's gospel, chapter 13, verse number 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. What we learn from that one verse is how the kingdom of God really works. In order for me to get the treasure out of any relationship that I have, I have to be willing to buy the whole field. That's how the kingdom works. If I want the treasure, I have to be willing to endure the field, endure the dirt. One of the keys to extracting The treasure out of people and out of the people God has connected us to is the key of honor. Honor opens doors for you. Honor gives you access to things that you would not have without it. Honor, though, does not focus on the field. Honor does not focus on the dirt. Honor focuses on the treasure. Now, I want to insert here, because I've preached on this in in years past, Um, The Jezebel spirit is one of the spirits that has been released against the modern church uh, that we have to contend with. And I don't have time to to do a teaching on Jezebel, but here's what I will tell you about that spirit is that Jezebel operates through dishonor. Dishonor. And, And the problem is that even in the church, because we are, we are fed a steady diet, of disrespect and dishonor, we are really quick to speak against God's anointed. And I I don't mean just preachers. I'm talking about the person sitting next to you is God's anointed. That when we speak against God's people, we are actually speaking against God himself. And I think many times through dishonor, we are opening up doors into our life for unclean spirits to to mess with even the body of Christ. The Jezebel spirit always operates through disrespect and dishonor. Here is our dilemma. We get saved, we come to Christ, we know Jesus, we're thankful that we're on our way to heaven and not hell. But then we we get in church for a little while and then we, we decide that we want anointed people to be perfect people. And so as long as you are perfect, I can honor you. But the moment I see your dirt, I now dishonor you. And this this is a problem because we are not dirt hunters in the church. We are treasure hunters in the church. We're not looking for dirt on people. We're looking for the treasure in people. But we get so hung up on the field and on the dirt that we fail to see the gift of God inside that individual. And this is, this is where we've got to mature in our walk with God. Um, you have a treasure, but it's just hidden in all your dirt. <laughs> Every husband has a treasure, but he also has a field. Ladies, I'm coming after you. Every wife has a treasure, but she has a field. Your children, they have treasure, but they have a field. Your pastor has a treasure, but I got a field. Every government official that you talk about, they have a treasure, and they have a field. 
And, and so we, we're called to pull the treasure out of people, but you can only unlock that treasure through honor. I'm going to say it like this. Um, you have to love all of me to get the best of me. See, we only want to love like the good in people. When they performing and they saying what we want them to say, well, we love you, but a little bit of dirt show up, we don't love. You can't get the best of me unless you're willing to love all of me. Um, Jesus said it like this. He said, don't cast, and, and the reason I want to read this to you, sometimes we give our treasure away without making people buy the field. Jesus said, don't cast your pearls, your treasure, before the swine. In other words, um, don't give your treasure away for free. Make people buy the field. As long as people can get your treasure without buying the field, they will continue to do so. You, you, you've got to put up with all of me to get the best of me. And, and so that's how relationships work. That's how we unlock treasure. Every church I go and preach at, they don't get the best of me. And it's because they can't love all of me. You guys, Bethesda Church, you see me when I'm up. You see me when I'm down. Some of you have seen me when I've lost my cool. And so you love all of me, so you get the best of me. But how many know not every place I visit, they, they, they don't even have access to all of me. And so we got to make people buy the field if they want the treasure. And here's what we got to do. We have to be able to get close enough to people that we can see the dirt but still believe they have treasure. Can you see my weakness and flaws and believe that God still has a purpose for me? Can, can you see my dirt and not be moved by it? Can you see my dirt and still be willing to receive the treasure? And this is where we got to grow up. Because the moment we see dirt, we shut down. We're done with people. We're out. The moment we see weakness, we see flesh, we want to cut them off. And now we no longer honor them. Um, and and here, here's the other thing. The church is the one place where you should be able to come and not just show your treasure, but show your dirt. And, and what I mean by that is that in the church, we, we come and because we want everyone to receive our treasure, what we do is we've learned how to hide our dirt. So we hide our dirt so that everybody can receive our treasure. And I want to ask, what game are we playing? Why are we playing that game? You have something great in your life, but you also have stuff I have stuff trying to block that something great in our life. We all have that. But scripture teaches that iron sharpens iron and that we are not to uh, conceal our dirt, but we're actually supposed to hook up with one another and not hide our dirt, but expose it so that we can begin pulling the treasure out of one another. Don't talk about my issue. Help me crucify my issue. Come on, don't gossip about my issue. Help me pray about my issue. Don't bring me down because of my issue. Help me by pulling the treasure out of me. So we got some growing to do. We don't do this. Typically when we see dirt, we're done. What's amazing though is the reason we have to do it is because God hides treasures in dirty places. Come on, don't look at me so holy. God saved you and you know your junk. You know your dirt. You know your struggle, yet he saved you. He hides treasure in uncommon places. And it's tough for us to discover treasure in people whenever we live in a culture that lives on a steady diet of disrespect and dishonor to anything that uh, is meant to bring order. We, any, any authority, and, I'm not, and I'll show you a little later, I'm not just talking about authority, but anything in authority, it doesn't matter if it's a teacher, a principal, a father, a mother, um, a preacher, a politician. We are trained in this culture to find dirt. 
which is totally opposite of what the kingdom is about. Everything in our culture that is designed to bring order gets disrespect. The missing key to all of it is honor. Honor is the principle by which you extract the treasure out of a person. And honor is not just something that is, that is learned. Honor is about recognition. Don't, don't miss this. The demons recognize Jesus as the Son of God, yet he came to his own and his own received him not. The devil had more honor than his own people. The devil honored him, the demons did, while the church folk couldn't see it. They were around him every day. The Roman centurion in Matthew chapter 8, you, this is your homework, you need to go read Matthew chapter 8. But he recognized, this Roman centurion, he recognized and he honored Jesus and, and he wasn't even a part of the faith. He hadn't been hanging out with Jesus and his, and his own followers who were with him every day couldn't honor him and receive from him the way that this guy did who had just met him. See, honor is about your ability to recognize. I have been blessed personally by certain pastors and ministries um, and, you know, received, you know, something that changed my life from them. And then on the, on the other end of that, I've had people come to me when I shared my, my story of what I got out of them and their ministry and how it impacted me. They want to come and talk to me about that ministry or that, that minister's dirt. Shut up. I don't need to know his dirt. I just need to pull out of his treasure. I, I don't understand. I don't need all that. I just need the gift of God out of him. If I will honor the treasure, it will impact my life in spite of their field. Hit your neighbor and tell them, unlock the treasure. See, we, we don't respect anything anymore. Like there's just zero respect. And, and in that, we cut off what God is trying to bring into our life. See, when you turn your honor to another individual, God will now honor you. You got people running around, where's my honor? Nobody recognizes me. Nobody honors me. When's the last time you honored another individual? When, when, when have you shown honor to some, and not just the people you like and agree with, when's the last time you honored someone you don't agree with? I can disagree with you wholeheartedly and still honor you and never disrespect you. It is possible. But as the moment we don't like something about a, an authority figure or a leader, we want to dishonor them. And it goes beyond just honoring those in authority. It's about honoring one another. For example, I don't want to be known, you know, at Bethesda Church, oh, that's a great preacher. I want to break that personality that people want to put on churches, I don't want them to say, but there's a church, that's a great preacher. I want them to say, but there's a church, that's an incredible people. That's a powerful people. But we can't move in that direction if we only honor someone we esteem as important. More than the person on your row. Honor is for everyone. I may lay my hands on you on a specific Sunday, like pray for you. And listen, I prayed for people and they've been healed. I prayed for, for people and they didn't get healed. But the point I'm making, I may pray for you and nothing happened and the guy holding the camera prayed for you. He dropped his camera and he prayed for you and you get a miracle. The problem is, is if you honor me more than you do the camera guy, you cut off your own miracle. We got to preach this stuff. We, we, we need to understand not only about honoring people, we have to understand honoring protocol. Honoring an order that has been established. God said, let everything be done decent and in order. The problem we have is God didn't tell us exactly what that looks like. So he gives us leaders who determine what's decent and in order. And so once that protocol 
that order has been established, it's up to me then to submit to the order, to the protocol, if I want to be blessed by that, that company, that church, whatever it is. If I want to receive from them, I've got to honor the protocol. And we have protocol here at Bethesda Church. We set things up. We try to do, do our due diligence to do things decent and in order. A uh, great example of that is how in the world do you get um, a thousand people coming every Sunday in, um, in a building that small over there? And if you need a good reminder after church today, walk over and look at the Be Kids Sanctuary. Every minister I bring into this place to preach, after service we always do a little walk because they, they cannot even fathom that we were having over a 1,000 every Sunday in that building over there. They walk in and they go, how? How? I'll tell you how. We had a protocol. We had an order. People submitted to the order, and we were able to do it. Yeah, it took us doing three services for three years, three, three morning services for a three-year period, but we were able to do it because we submitted to the protocol, to the order that had been established. Um, sometimes the pastor don't always pray for you. Um, if we're going to have everything done decent and in order, but you come in with a mindset of, I want Pastor Chad to pray for me, what if all 1,400 on a Sunday ask me to do that? I'm not physically capable. I, well, I guess I am. Yeah, I can stay here until tonight. Just, you know, we'll just stay here and we'll be here all day long. Um, we, we have to honor protocol, but watch this. Walmart has a protocol. Target has a protocol. Target, come on, y'all. It has a protocol that has to be honored. And the protocol is not leave your shopping buggy in the parking lot so it can chase my car. And then I end up getting out of my treasure into my field and saying bad words about you. Come on, y'all. Um, it has a protocol. You know, the, the blue spots with the man in the wheelchair. The protocol isn't lazy people park here. Are y'all in this place? Am I, is it, I feel like I'm by myself right now. Um, so, so we're trying to do things with an order, with an order. And if protocol is ignored, then order cannot be established and chaos sets in. Um, the same is true when we start service. When we start service, we want the music to sound good. Now, obviously, we're worshiping God, but we want it to sound good. And so our protocol is, if you want to hold a microphone and sing on the worship team, you have to be able to sing. So you have to try out for the worship team, which means that every once in a while, we got to tell somebody, uh, you can't sing, but there's another place for you to serve. Now, all the religious people just got mad. If that offended you, then you, you got to understand there has to be an order. There has to be protocol. You say, well, I grew up in my grandpa's church and they let everybody sing. And it didn't matter where you come from, how good you were, you could sing. I've been to that church, baby, and you can go on to that church, but I ain't going back. I want somebody that can actually sing leading me to sing. That's the protocol. Uh, you know, this is crazy, but I'm going to go ahead and go there. In the other building, um, we started growing and, and people... Man, it's crazy how our minds are where we think we just, we just establish whatever protocol we want. And so they would come, and, and because they didn't like the seats that were left, they would go to the kids' sanctuary, grab their own chair. I'd look in the back sometimes while I'm preaching, and they've gone, and there was empty seats. They just didn't like where they were having to sit. So they went and got their own chairs and lined the back wall with their own chairs. And then we wonder why we can't receive from God. When we have ignored the protocol of a house. Listen, if you, it works at your house. Watch this. You come to my house, I have hardwood floors. You can keep your shoes on. Like, no, don't take them off. Come on in. We'll sleep. We'll do whatever afterwards. But your house may have white carpet. If I bring my protocol 
to your house and just, come on, jump, jump right up in there with muddy boots, you're going to say, Pastor, I love you, but take the stinking shoes off. Like, take them off. And, and I think sometimes we are missing what God wants to do because we have failed to honor protocol. When I preach at another church, I don't take Bethesda protocol on the road. I, I, our protocol is irrelevant when I'm preaching somewhere else. I ask, how long do you want me to preach? Do you, what, what, if they say, I, Pastor, we just want you to sing Mary Had a Little Lamb, that's the protocol today, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to sing. Now, I hope to God they don't ask me to do that. But I'm going to sing Mary Had a Little Lamb because there is a blessing in honoring and an order that has been established. See, this, this goes so against culture. I want to do it my way. And I, you know, this is how, we don't care how you did it. We don't care. Submit to the, I don't walk up in Walmart and tell them what price I'm paying. But we'll come up in church and then instead of receiving what God has and submitting to a protocol, we'll tell them everything they did wrong. And I am preaching right now. We're just going to let this fly. Listen, I believe part of the problem is that we, we are now living in what they call a father, fatherless generation. Fathers bring order. Mothers bring nurture. You get the best situation when you have both order and nurture. You've got a father and a mother. But if, if you have a mother and no father... You have love, but you don't have boundaries. And this is what's happening. I've watched this play out. I've watched this play out. When, when, when you have a kid with no boundaries, um, they, they get old enough to go get their first job. And all they've ever had is nurture. Never had order, just nurture. Love, but no boundaries. They go get their first job, and three days later, they quit. And you ask him, why did you quit your job? Well, boss man was kind of rude. Told me that I couldn't be off Friday. Couldn't be off Saturday. So I quit. I didn't like the way he talked to me. And what, they're really, what, what they need to be told in that moment is, he just spoke to you the way your daddy should have. But it's a foreign sound to you. So the first time you hear it, you get offended and quit because you don't get weekends off and, and, and because you can't submit to the protocol. Um, on a, on a, check this out. On a Sunday, there are some Sundays I feel like I should be up here praying for people, like at the end, like I should be a part of that. There are some Sundays I feel like I need to be out of the way. When you come up for prayer and you bypass 15 altar workers who are operating in their gift and trained to pray for people, but you only see me as important. And you bypass all of them to get to me. What you have just done is you have dishonored 15 people that are operating in their gift to come to me. And then you wonder why your breakthrough didn't happen. I'm preaching real good right here. We, we dishonor one another. And we don't, watch this, at, watch what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Y'all may not get out of here today. I let 9 o'clock out just because I had to because you were coming in. We don't have another service. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Are y'all hearing this? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were 
all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable un, uh, are treated with special modesty. While our presentable, presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. The Apostle Paul is telling us in that long reading that I just did that honor for one another is what makes the body of Christ become powerful. It's what makes it possible to unlock treasures and gifts that are all around us. I have to be able to honor protocol and I also need to be able to honor people. You cannot extract the treasure and receive what God has for you as long as you continue to dishonor the parts that you feel are insignificant. Importance sometimes becomes the enemy to your breakthrough because you only see this person as important. This person as, if they touched me, I would get my healing. What you're saying is, God, I only believe you can do for me through this one avenue. Your breakthrough may be on your row right now. You may be sitting beside them. But if you dishonor them, you cannot receive from them. That's why I brought up the Roman centurion in Matthew chapter 8 who recognized who Jesus was. And I love this because he says, my servant's sick. I need some help. Jesus thinks, all right, this is like all church people. This means that I got to go to their house and make a visit. But the centurion says something different. He says, I'm a man under authority I don't need you to come to my house. I know that if you'll just say it, my servant shall be healed. He understood that the kingdom does not operate by personal visit. The kingdom operates by the word of the king. And so he was able to recognize something in Jesus that the church folk couldn't even see. And, and Jesus so marveled about this, it was so uncommon that he said, I haven't seen faith like this before. This guy who doesn't know me is able to receive, and you guys been sitting under me, and you can't. Do you know who receives the most from Bethesda Church? I'll be real honest with you. Those that are new. You know why? Because once we get familiar with something, we move into dishonor normally. We, we're so familiar that there's no longer an honor to receive the treasure. So most of the testimonies are people being here a week, two weeks, six weeks, two months, and the testimonies are like crazy. But you'll walk by some people who've been here 10 years and can't even smile at you when you walk by. Oh, did I say that? We become familiar and our life gets stuck. He says, I'm a man under authority. He doesn't say I'm a man in authority. He says, I'm a man under authority. And that's important because you cannot be in authority until you are under authority. Some people use the name of Jesus and nothing happens. They rebuke the devil in Jesus' name and nothing shifts for them. My question is, do you shift when someone else speaks? Are y'all here? If you don't shift when somebody else speaks, then why would demons shift when you speak? Do, do, do you shift when someone speaks into your life or do you get offended? See, I cannot walk into the Greenbrier this afternoon and start barking out orders. Hey, you, do this. Hey, you, do that. I mean, I'd get arrested. Because I'm not under their authority. I can use their name and bark orders all I want. But listen, you don't have authority in the name of Jesus until you are under the name of Jesus. 
A lot of people are trying to use the name of Jesus, but they're not submitted to the authority that Jesus gave them. Oh my, I feel a Billy right there. We're using a name that we're not under. But if I submitted and, and put in a resume and submitted to their protocol and went through their system and honored that, then I could, you know, if I was given that position, I could then begin giving orders. When I roll up in here on a Monday morning, I don't have to ask anybody if I can give orders. If I show up on a Monday morning and tell the staff, stop what you're doing and get this done, they better stop what they're doing with a smile and get it done or go find another job. I don't have authority at the Greenbrier, but I do have authority here. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me? Those of you that own businesses, I hope you don't have to sit down and say, would you please do this for me today? I hope you're able to say, hey, we need this done. And we don't need to have seven meetings to get it done. Just get it done. I'm struggling more at 11 than I did 9. And I'll tell you why. We're younger at 11. The younger crowd really struggles with this concept. Because we, we don't want to be told what to do. And if we do, we have to be asked a certain way. Bless God if I say it, move. You, like, that's it. Like, why do we got to, like, we make it 20 times longer. We can't get anything done. He says, I'm a man under authority. Just say the words to receive what God has for you. You have to be, you have to understand that God shows up many times in people. That's how God shows up, in people. And if you have not cultivated honor in your life, you're going to miss everything that God has assigned to you. There is treasure all over this building. Like treasure all over it. Some of us have more dirt than others, but the truth is we all have a treasure and we can't pull the treasure out through dishonor and disrespect. I cannot look at Pastor Josh as just Josh. I can't pull out of him anything without honoring him. Man, we wonder why our relationships are struggling. Because this isn't, some of us, it's not even about honor at this point. We can't even get along with people who are not just like us. Like in order to get along with you, you gotta be like me. Listen, I can get along with anybody for a couple hours. Honestly. I can get along with anybody for a couple hours. And, and I may not see the world the way they do. We may have totally different interests. Now, listen, I may not invite them back over. But for a couple hours, I can get through that without dishonoring you. And, and, and listen, if we're having trouble getting along with people... We are far from honor because honor is not getting along with people. Honor is celebrating what God has put in other people. That's what honor is. We don't understand God shows up through people. And so when I pray for help, you know what happens? Somebody knocks at my door. God sends somebody. I pray for healing. What happens many times? God sends somebody. I pray to prosper. What happens? God puts me around someone that has that anointing. Deuteronomy 28 says, blessed shall you be. We're, we're not just getting blessed. You are the blessing. You are the blessing. It's something you carry. I, I have to see you as a blessing in order to receive from you. If I'm only putting up with you, I'll never be able to receive from you. I have to know that you're a blessing. God will many times put something in you that the company you work for needs. You are the blessing. So when you show up to work, you can announce the kingdom's here. Come on, somebody. I, I, I'm telling you the truth. God will put it in you so that when you walk on the job site, the atmosphere changes. But if you show up and all, all you do is criticize your boss, I promise you, you're not going to get access to any treasure, any promotion, any miracle, any breakthrough in your life because God will test us through our ability to submit and honor those that we don't agree with. I ain't letting y'all go today. I, I'm telling you, you don't have it yet. 
we've got to get this. We've got to get this. I may spend an hour in prayer asking God to do A, B, C, and D. God, please help me. Please do A, B, and C. And I think it's going to show up through the ductwork or a vision in my house or a cloud coming into my house. And, and I miss God because I didn't understand that I've already missed God six times, but his name was Fred. But I keep dishonoring Fred. Relationships are the currency of the kingdom. That's why the Bible talks so much about it. Gives us so many directions as it relates to relationships. The problem with a lot of Christians is they struggle with the honor thing. But I want you to look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Paul said, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. An heir is a person that has something coming to them. They have an inheritance that's coming in their direction. Inheritance and harvest are not the same things. Harvest is I sow seeds and I reap a harvest. That, that's harvest. Inheritance is not about what you do, inheritance is about who your daddy is. All right? So, so track with me. Inheritance is about bloodline. You are, you are heirs uh, with, with Christ. You're joint heirs with Christ, the Bible says. What does that mean? It means that everything God made available to Jesus, he has now made available to me. All right? Everything Jesus walked in, I'm supposed to walk in. Everything Jesus did, I'm supposed to do. Now, here, here's, here's the repercussion part of that. If, if whatever Jesus has, I have, and you have, when I see you coming, if I see Pastor Josh coming, and I only see him as Josh, I'm going to miss what God has for me. But if I see him coming, just like myself, as a joint heir with Christ, as a son or a daughter of God, if I see them in that light, I now have access to the treasure that is within them. It is the pleasure of the Father to give good things to his children. Everything in the Father's house belongs to you, but you will not access all those things that belong to you if you are dishonoring the people God has put in your life. You gotta go under before you go over. You need to prove yourself on every level, on your way to the place that God has for you. This is condition and position, condition and position. If you know your position in Christ, you can always change your condition. You may not have enough money to buy a hamburger, but your position is that you're a master of all. You may be Bill Gates' son, and you got billions coming, but if, but if you stay immature, if, if the inheritance is based on maturity level, you may reach a certain age and still not get the inheritance because you can't handle that blessing. In the kingdom, maturity is not about calendar years. You can be 62 and still too immature for God to bring you the inheritance. But you could be 16 and be walking fully in it. All dependent on, on, on how you're living your life. If you live out of your feelings, you're not ready for it. If you're still making emotional decisions, you're not ready for it. And listen, if you still have to be inspired to do the right thing, you're not ready for it. I'll give you an example. My four-year-old, I wrestled her the whole first service too. So maybe that's why I'm a little mean right now. But if she would go clean her room, I would take her to Chuck E. Cheese. Like that's just, she's four. Like if you're going to go and you're actually going to do that, man, let's go. To, I'll celebrate that. We'll honor that. You know, I'm going to reward you. Four years old, you clean your room. That's great. Let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. If you're 13... And I tell you to clean your room, and you want to know, hey, can I go to Chuck E. Cheese if I clean my room? 
Um, no, it's called breakfast. It's called lunch. It's called dinner. It's called shoes. It's called you get to live here. Clean your room. You get to live here. Clean it. I'm not, not throwing you a party for that. Why? Maturity. Some of us are asking for God-like power while we still have childlike, not faith, childlike maturity. Tweet that. If God gave you the power you were asking for, you would do more damage with it than good. Because your emotions are all over the place. You still need to be inspired. You need everybody to throw a party if you do something. We need some people in the kingdom that understand authority and can take it some direction and can move in line and honor a protocol and honor other people. We got to grow up. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we're ending here. You are going to get to go home. I feel a whole lot better, by the way. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 14 through 17. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. If he died for all, that those who live should no longer live, should no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You need to underline this next scripture. You need to highlight it. If you want great things to happen in your life, you have to see the world and see the kingdom through the filter Paul's about to give us right here. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard no one according to the flesh. I'm not going to just look at who you, I'm not just gonna see you as Johnny. I'm not just going to know you after the flesh. I'm going to know you after something bigger than that. He says, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The love of Christ compels me, the apostle Paul is telling. It compels me, watch this, to look past your dirt to see your treasure. I know no man or regard no man after the flesh. Then he talks about being a new creation, that I got to see you spiritually. So yeah, you were cussing on Facebook this week, but I'm not going to focus on your dirt. I still see a treasure in there. That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, I have no regard for anyone after the flesh but he's talking about seeing them spirit. Listen, I got some stuff I got to fight. You got some stuff you got to fight. But what's in me can bless you and what's in you can bless me. But if we're still looking at the dirt and the field and the flesh, we're going to miss the treasure. We got to get past that. The love of Christ pushes me to look past your problems. Everyone in this room needs grace. All the religious folk like, no, not me. God's gift to the world. Paul said, I'm not looking or seeing what is wrong with you. I regard no one after the flesh. Paul is saying, I, I don't make it their responsibility to be perfect so that I can then honor. Like, you get cleaned up, then I'll honor you. It's not what he's saying. He places the responsibility on himself to look past your dirt to see the treasure. This is how you know you've grown up. When people can offend you and rub you the wrong way and say evil things, and you can still, you can bless them anyway. I, I regard no one after the flesh. I can see past your dirt and I can still honor the treasure in you. That's what Paul is saying. If you read chapter six of 2 Corinthians, then he gives directions on all the things you and I need to clean out of our lives. Like, this is stuff you got to deal with. But then he comes back in chapter 7, verse 1, one last verse. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So Paul says, I don't know anyone 
according to the flesh. I'm not looking at your dirt. Then he gives us instructions on things we need to clean up. Then he comes back in chapter 7 and says, let us cleanse ourselves. I want you to notice he did not say, let us clean each other. He didn't say clean up one. Most Christians, even on faith, they're just trying to clean up everybody. You think your little message on Facebook's going to clean anybody up? Paul said, no, you clean yourself. And in case you didn't know it, you're a 24-hour-a-day job just keeping yourself clean. You ought to clap. You ain't clapped all day. You might as well clap right there. You ain't clapped none. He said, cleanse yourself of all filthiness out of both dimensions. Out of your flesh and out of your spirit. I grew up in a church that only focused on cleaning up the flesh. Outward appearance. I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't, I don't go to the movies. and I, It's all flesh. But you know what? Some of those people, I hate to say it, they were mean as a rattlesnake. They had the flesh in order, but... Listen, you may have your flesh in control, but if you still backbiting and gossiping and envious and jealous and unforgiving, you know why we focus on the flesh? Because it's visible. People can see it. But if your attitude still stinks, clean it up. That's what Paul said. You know why I need to clean up? It's so that you won't have a hundred hurdles to get past in order to honor me. That's why you should clean up. That's why how we honor one another. We don't want to give people a thousand hurdles. Paul didn't put the responsibility on them to clean up. He put it on himself. But at the same time, how many know this goes two ways? It goes two ways. I didn't say this earlier, but I'm going to say it because we have... Go ahead and stand with me. If you stand, it'll make me quit. Are you getting anything out of the Word? This whole, this whole thing, when you want to grow in God and you, you want to operate in power and authority and you want to do big things and you got big dreams, the first thing God will do is put you under someone else. This is where the rubber meets the road. He'll put you under because there's a twofold responsibility. And it's hard to do it in this culture. It's hard to say what people need to hear. How many ever find it hard to speak truth in love with someone you really do care about? You know what they need to hear. And there's a responsibility to say it. But there's also a responsibility on them to receive it. Man, I'm just at that place. I, I'm, I'm, this is my heart. I am so tired of walking around on eggshells with everybody's feelings. Well, that just didn't feel right. Cry, cry me a handful. Like, my goodness, I'm trying. Like, I'm trying. I'm saying it in life. Just receive it. Like, I, I wouldn't even say this if I didn't love you. I would just leave you immature and not say it at all. And guys, we got to honor one another to be able to receive from one another. When people look at Bethesda Church, I don't want them to say that's a powerful preacher. I want them to say that's a powerful people. They, they have learned some things. They have honored one another. They have honored protocol. They can submit to authority. If you want authority, you've got to be under authority. i got to be able to see past your dirt to see the treasure. And that's what we're doing every week, guys. Man, I hear all the time, I can't believe so-and-so comes to your church. I want to smack him, but I don't. <laughs> Do you know that's what Jesus did for us? While we were still in our dirt, he who knew no sin became sin. In other words, Jesus looked past our dirt and he saved us. The moment we become judgmental and we dishonor other people, it's we have forgotten where Jesus has brought us from. 
Anybody thankful that Jesus has saved you in spite of your dirt, in spite of your field, that he sees a treasure in there that maybe other people don't see, and he thought enough value of you to lay down his own life for you to be saved. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I do ask that you come back next week. I'll be nicer. But if you're in this place or watching online and you, like, how does that apply to me if I need Jesus? It's what I just said. While you were in the middle of your dirt, he died. While you were a sinner, one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible, while you were a sinner, Christ died. So if you need to be saved today, you're in this place, you say, that's me, Pat. I need Jesus to save me. I got a lot of dirt. I need his grace, his forgiveness, and his mercy. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me today. Thanks for this hand over here. God bless you. Thanks for this one over here. Two, three, four. I see those five. Six over here. Seven. Eight. Anyone else? Anyone else? Those online, we'd love to pray for you. Three more online. Come on, I want us to pray together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I got a lot of dirt. So I'm asking you to save me, to forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give those people a big hand clap of praise right there. Come on. You do better than that. Let's praise God in the house. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.